Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody to another episode of Animals to the Max. I am Corbin Maxey. How are you doing? Yes, I'm talking to you. How are you doing? Thank you so much, as always, for taking the time to listen to the show. Folks, we are in part two of my interview with Dave Salmoni, of course, from Animal Planet. He is their large predator expert. He's been with Animal Planet for 20 years now, man, so he's like a grandfather. Anyway, I had such a good time talking to Dave. If you have not checked out part one of the interview, please do. That is episode 98. This is actually really interesting as this airs. I am going, or actually debuts, I guess. I am going to be currently in the air. That's right. I'm probably going to be 30,000 feet above in an airplane, actually heading to New York City from Idaho, gearing up for a TV appearance, a debut on Bravo's Watch What Happens live TV show, hosted by Andy Cohen. So excited. I've never done the show before, and I can't wait to get out there and meet Andy and his audience and introduce them to some really cool animals and try to get some conservation-themed messages in there. The reason why I guess kind of why I bring that up is because in the second part of my interview with Dave, we talk a lot about, you know, working with animals in the media, particular species. We talk about the importance of just trying to get our message out there. I promise you are going to really, really enjoy it. As always, before we get going and get to the interview, make sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating. It helps get us out there and yeah, and share it with friends and family for anyone who's into animals or whoever who's, you know, maybe you've ever wanted to dip their foot into what it's like. I don't know why I said dip your foot, but whatever. Uh, dip your foot. Sorry, guys. It's like midnight and I'm like half asleep uh, trying to prepare for... Actually, let's just be real. I'm trying to prepare. Um, my, my in-laws are coming to town, which I'm so excited. But anyway, the house is a mess. And so I'm basically... We're trying to put the Christmas tree up in like 10 minutes and a bunch of stuff going on. And anyway, my in-laws, you know, God bless them, are, you know, super noisy. And I mean, well, I guess any in-laws are noisy, right? So I was like, man, I really need to record this intro before this goes on. So anyway, long story short, that's kind of what's going on. So back on my tangent, what I'm saying is that please share the episode with anyone who loves animals. And also, if you are listening to this on Monday when it debuts, Monday, December 9th, please make sure to check out my appearance on Watch What Happens Live. That is going to be on Tuesday, December 10th, and that is, it's it's live. I think the show starts at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard. Make sure to check it out on Bravo. You can also follow me at Corbin Maxi, which I encourage you to do Instagram and Facebook. Uh, just kind of follow my journey along the way. It's great, you know, kind of behind the scenes of what it's like doing these national shows. And of course, the best part is you get to see all these animals and we have some really fun animals coming up. And yeah, so you're going to see some familiar faces. Probably one of my favorite animals to work with in New York. Yeah, so you'll probably hint, hint. It's black and white. It looks like it's dressed in a tux. Okay, I'll let you guys kind of put the put the puzzle together but we're featuring one of those and a few other animals including a baby animal and something that really stinks so there are your clues so <laughs> anyway check that out but you know what let's get to it you guys let's get to part two of my interview with animal planets dave salmoni dave thank you so much part two of our conversation dude i am so excited 
Yes, of course. Me too. Sorry. I was reading the text and it happened to be from you. I was like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I, know. I felt bad. I was like, Who's calling to... me in I one did... minute? This is no good. <laughs> I need to drop the tree. No, I really appreciate it. And you are, you know, you ushered in our season three of the show. We're almost at 100 episodes. We've interviewed a lot of people. And yeah, I'm just so happy to talk to you again. Great. Me yeah. too. It's fun. You know, uh, talking animals is always good. I just feel like podcasts are actually one of the only are we are we recording now or oh, yeah yeah good good good, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, these things they sneak up on you but i feel like I podcasts know. and long form uh-huh. really are the only real ways to discuss animals appropriately i feel like that you're always so much in the weeds of trying to manage expectations and people's morals and ethics and thoughts and you you know and oftentimes like i say in in the forums that we're given a mother making a documentary which is telling a story so that it doesn't really give you an opportunity to talk animal stuff. Uh-huh. Um, or you're on a talk show where they're like, hey, fit it all into 30 seconds. Yeah. And, and and you really don't get to discuss animals. So a podcast like this uh, is great. So I, I appreciate the time and the opportunity. And, and I think you're doing a good thing. I think, I think that more animal people should be developing uh, audiences like you are so that people who actually are interested in really in-depth knowledge of everything, meaning – Tell me cool things. Get me excited about animals. Tell me, tell me about conservation. Tell me, I, I really do want to be moral and ethical. I want to know if I can bring my kids to the zoo. I want to know if I can go on safari and do it correctly. I, I think that the average animal lover, if they have people like us who are able to help guide them, I and mean, even you and I can't get it right all the time, but we can help guide people make ethical and smart decisions where the animals are being rewarded you know, by your love and, 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 and attention. Um, so yeah. I think that's great. Yeah, absolutely. I love I love the long form. And you know, honestly, Dave, when I did this, we're on our year three, it's like, or actually year two, but season three, it's like, I didn't know who the heck would listen to it. But it's crazy how podcasts, they reach all over the world. And you look at some, right. of, some of the listenership and it's like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> like it's, it's you awesome. Know, and, and it does another thing, I think, on top of that. And, and you kind of touched on it last time we chatted when I was like, when you told me that Steve Ridgway had found you and you used to do the Tonight Show stuff. Yeah. And you're like, no, I used to hate you. And I was like, I, I, bl- I buzzed past it because I'm like, well, of course. <laughs> You know, I remember those days when all the animal people felt in competition because there were so many of us, right? And and I feel like by actually communicating, you realize there's not many people that have the lifestyles that we have. So it's more likely that you and I to like each other than dislike each other. But back in those days, that you like <laughs> you you came up in the culture that I was shocked by. I remember the first time T- TV finds me in the bush. I'm in the jungle. I'm on a tent. I'm doing conservation. I don't even want anything to do with television. But it's gonna pay for a bunch of science that I want to do. And, oh, you got to come to this event. I'm like, oh, but Steve Irwin's gonna be there. Jeff Corwin's gonna be there. Uh, a bu- you know, there's a bunch of other guys that probably, if I mention their names, people have forgotten by now. But it was during the time when there was mm-hmm. hundreds of people who did wildlife television. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just, I'd never met animal people who didn't like other animal people. Oh. but I forgot. I also wasn't in the entertainment field. Well, so I'm walking up to people, <laughs> hey, how's it going? And they're like, you, you're a jerk. <laughs> it, was awful. it was an well, awful experience. Here's the deal, though. And I didn't really hate you. Actually, there's another person. No, yes, no. But here's the deal. I had been, I it had taken me, so they discovered me on The Tonight Show. I was 14. And by the way, I have a photo. This is a perfect segue. I swear to God we didn't plan this. I actually found this photo, and I'm going to show you this. You're going to die. You're not even going to believe this. Hold on. Here we go. Okay, ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm always ready. Wait, can you see me? Back it up, back it up, back it up. Oh, wow. <laughs> you are young. Holy crud. And huge. <laughs> That's <is> fantastic. <laughs> so, 
This is what wow. I, that's my first segment with Jay Leno. And I, and by the way, for audience members, I was just as tall as I was around, um, you know, sitting next to Jay, dude, it was insane. But so I was young, like I had never right. been on TV and I had no idea anyway. And it took me three and a half years to land another appearance. But I remember I'd always email Steve and be like, Hey Steve, it's been a while since an animal segment. And he'd be like, Oh, Oh, you smoked too soon. Dave Simone was just here or Jared Miller was just here. And it was just like, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but in hindsight that happened for a reason. I mean, I was on a few times after that, but you guys are more experienced and older. And I just, I really was just a kid still, you know, working with animals and still learning the ropes. Yeah. So Plus it's a, it's a entertainment is a bit of a, the entertainment side of our business is the ugly side of the business. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's not as nice as, as you'd like it to be. You'd like everyone to have a voice and, 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 uh, and a place, but that's just not the truth. And yeah. because of that, that's when that thought, and I think that it used to be more, I think when there was more of us, meaning us, meaning anybody in the, in the field of animal mm-hmm. is an entertainment, whether you had a documentary career or, you know, mm-hmm. went on talk shows and things like that, or both in my case, um, cause there's so many people, uh, and a lot of them didn't have social skills of any kind. A lot that's what I'm sure you find is that people get attracted to animals because they don't have social skills. Very often, it's like I don't get along with society, but these animals they accept me. So it's not shocking that it, like at the t- when I was young and naive and I thought everyone loved everyone, I I was just shocked that everyone hated everybody. And then <laughs> now I feel like I'm an old. I hate the fact that I. I don't feel old, but I know that I am. I am the one of the senior guys. I mean, I'm not Jack Hanna, but I am oh. a senior guy in this business. Uh, I feel like if I could, the more the more friendly I can be to people, the less times people will feel like, hey, I'm going to go meet that Dave guy. He seems pretty interesting. He seems like he's got same interests than I have. It will have lots to talk about. And then me go, get out of my face, youngster. Like, I, hopefully, I, in the last sort of you know 15 years, I've been able to like welcome people and, and make people feel a little bit uh, friendlier yeah. and less of an aggressive competitive world. But yeah. anyway, cause I feel like truthfully we're all on the same team. There is no way, but put a Jan- Jack or me or you mm-hmm. or some of these Instagram guys or Janet, I think that- who's Janet? Some of these Instagram guys. Oh, oh, oh I, I thought you said Janet. I was like, you're talking about Janet I think Jackson? Jack. <laughs> oh, I Jack. Think, oh, no. I, I, like, I started with Jack because he's oh, yeah. kind of like old regime. And then yeah. no, there's a couple of generations, I think, that were that have been on your podcast here now. And and I feel like – and now the big thing, obviously, is these Insta photos and things like that. And I think that most of us have the same message. Mm-hmm. And In fact, I don't think anyone that's successful doesn't say, we love animals. Let's conserve them better. That's where it starts. And we all definitely do it differently. I think that – you know, whether we would say it publicly or not, I think there are lots of things we see that are like, oh, I wouldn't do that. But in t- and I said, I mentioned it a lot in, in, in more depth and I won't go into it again, uh, the last segment, but uh, until we all can find the common ground, mm-hmm. you know, the, hey, mm-hmm. th- let's start with the, hey, we all love conservation. We all think animals are important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe I'll go about it one way, you'll go about it another way. But if I actually am concerned with animals doing better in society and in the world, I want you to succeed. I want you to touch people, reach people and motivate people. And I think that you should want the same because really what we're, we're trying to, it doesn't really matter that, that you do it differently than I would do it. than you know, some of these other people would do it. Um, you know, the, the, it used to be in the industry and definitely in science. This is the way uh, is that they, they break down everybody else's projects in order to, uplift or theirs or to give theirs validity so i'll give you an example i think i was sort of telling my backstory in you know the first part of this mm-hmm. and uh eventually <laughs> my big dog no that's awesome to... dude <laughs> no it... no 
Um, she's it's a, it's a delivery guy. Oh no worries, uh, dude. It happens sorry, to me all the time. No worries. I have a big dog and a little dog. Um, the big dog is a rescue. She used to be a fighting dog from Detroit, and then oh, we pulled God. her out. Get her out. Uh, so she still has the. She looks. You nobody she, wants she, to come to my house. Is is she a pit? No, she's a king corso. Honey, come, come, come here. I have to see this. Everybody else wants to sit. Oh, look at that. See, people are scared of this thing. You can't believe it because she's the sweetest (laughs) in the world. But yeah, I used to do a show for Animal Planet called Pet Nation Renovation where we would renovate uh, needy shelters. uh, And my wife was pregnant. I was on, she's like, don't you dare bring home a dog. Uh, We were renovating a house. My wife was pregnant. We had another, my son was young. And by the second app, I just see her in the eyes. And people always say when you when you when you see your rescue, like you just know that that's your dog. Yeah. And, and I was like, yeah, okay, that's I'm, that's that's not how I talk. As I'm not, I'm not as um, holistic into the universe that way. Yeah. I saw Honey. I'm like, whoa, no. <laughs> and I so I knew I couldn't just call her and say I'm adopting this dog. So I just started sending sad photos of her. Oh. <laughs> within, an hour, within an hour, she's like, ah. Uh, how can we rescue this poor dog? And <laughs> you know, Dave, well, I almost got a divorce. I brought home a tarantula one time. That did not go over very well. Oh my god! I thought it'd be fun to film it. Oh, my wife was not happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we all have rocky roads in our relationship, and if a tarantula is the worst thing that happens to you, you're doing just fine. I would agree. I would agree. Okay, so back on to so you. Back, back I was doing. I was so I was a captive. So I had my degree. I had my. I was doing my animal training thing. But that, that world, once again, I, I, on the animal wrangling side of the business, it wasn't really as fulfilling. And, and I wasn't really looking for a career. I didn't really care that I was getting paid. And I luckily walked into a, an opportunity where there's a South African gentleman who had helped build the ecotourism model that exists today. So, you know, mm-hmm. pay us money. We'll create jobs for the locals. We'll separate people and animals, and the animals will have a happy, safe home. Mm-hmm. He, he, he built that. He, he was from the guy. His parents used to do hunting safaris, and he was like, you guys are idiots. Let's do photographic safaris because then I can make 13 years from this big male lion instead of one shot in the yeah. head. Absolutely, uh, and it goes back to our trophy hunting land use systems. Yeah, you know, don't tell me a bullet in the head is better for that lion, conservationally speaking, when someone could take a photograph of it. Anyways, there's a lot of debating going on there. Oh, we yeah. won't go on yet. But my point is, he's like, hey, I want to do the same thing in Asia. I want to show the Asian government that this can be done there. They have poverty there. They just need to start creating jobs and make the tiger useful to the economy rather than you know a competition. Obviously, you're competing in Asia for space for water. For food, you know, a tiger eats a deer, so can the local. You know, a tiger needs land, so does the local. So, at the, you know, even currently, it is competition completely. Whereas in Africa, in a lot of the ecotourism places, they are what feeds them. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the the idea was, well, we got to build a park to show Asia how this might work. Uh, but it would be you couldn't do it in Asia at the time because the laws didn't allow it. It could happen in Africa, but there was no tigers. It would be unethical to take a wild tiger and plunk it into an African ecosystem. Mm. So this guy's idea was, listen, why don't I take a whole bunch of sheep farms that are dilapidated? Sheep can't even live here anymore. So they're giving the land away, basically. I'm going to fence it off. I'm going to build the land back. And in Africa, like building a sanctuary like this with a big fence around it is perfectly legal. There is an industry already where you can call up and say, I've now made my land okay for animals. Can I buy some wildebeest, some eland, some springbok, whatever you want? But to bring in the tiger, he needed somebody to bring a tiger. He thought, well, a cage tiger, they'd be much better off in my 35,000 hectare park. Could I teach these tigers to hunt? My job as an animal trainer was to go out there and do that. 
So that's how I got into. So and, and luckily he owned a production company. So that's sort of how it, he was filming this whole process anyway as we were building this park. Uh, and that's how TV kind of started for me. But even then, he was the star, and I was just trying to teach tigers. I woke up every day in a tent saying, "How the frick am I going to teach this tiger how to kill? He's this big, and he's going to be this big." And we, you know, eventually were very, very successful. Asian government, China came over. They bought into the project. Discovery came in, and that's a whole different story about how I eventually agreed to do television. Um, but it was working. I, we were, we were the first people to take the captive, you know, the genetic lifeboat that all of the zoos say that they are, but we were the first one to get genetics back into the wild saying like, this is how you do it. You, you take the handheld ones that I teach and all of their offspring that never get handled could then go and stock parks in Asia that would fit this model that we were trying to sell. Um, so in that, because it was, and it goes back to my point of scientists trying to run you down. I was a scientist at the time, but I was on the everyone loves everybody mode. I yeah. thought that all of us were really actually trying to save animals and not save their careers. And I would go to symposiums and go to these things and I would write papers and I would be like, hey guys, we're having a lot of success here. This is one possibility of, of helping tigers. And they just, they went after my permits. I was, I was, um, registered for a PhD to study this and they went after my funding and they went, I, I got kicked out of schools from oh, scientists no. and, and they fought out tigers. So you can imagine like, and this is before the wildlife hosts, you know, crushed my dreams that all animal people love each other. These scientists who I actually at that time aspired to be, I actually wanted to be an IUCN SSP guy, mm -hmm. which for listeners are the people who help decide the world. What, what, what's the plan to save this species? That's where I saw my career going. And I thought that was, the place I could really have the most impact on the world. And it was those guys that were attacking me and I was just baffled. I'm like, guys, I have funding. I'm successful. This is working and, and, and the business behind it's working. Everything is plus. And if I fail, it doesn't affect what you're doing. It, it, all of your WWF projects, all of your government-based projects, they, they can also go, but just don't don't run me down. Like, don't, don't try and take me away. And they did. They, they, they basically chipped at me every chance they got. Oh. And so my point was, my point to all this and what, it, what the impetus of this discussion was sort of like, I remember being young and thinking that everybody was on the same team. <laughs> and, and it's not surprising that animal lovers, just general animal lovers, like your listeners are wondering, well, who's right? Who, if you, if you're all arguing amongst each other, if I just want to do what's right for me, I love animals. But I love animals. Like I, I go camping with my family once a year and I maybe I want to go to the zoo or a zoo is OK to go to. Or maybe I want to go on safari. Is that OK to go to? Maybe I want to go to Yellowstone. Is that OK? To go to? These people that want to make ethical, moral decisions that are going to help our climate, help our environment and also help the animals that they love. They really don't have a consistent voice. Right. Because we're all fighting. Or at least we were. Yeah. Um, and so my background was in the we all love each other. Then I got browbeaten for 10 years. We all hate each other. And now I guess in the world that I am today, it's sort of like, if you hate me, I'm so used to it now. And if you love me, I'm so happy that you do. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I guess I'm older and, and maybe more callous to the point where I'm like, I'll try to change the people's opinions and help the people make decisions that are listening and those that just want to browbeat or, you know, whatever. It's, it's just not, not for me to, to, to be as concerned as they used to be. Do you feel like being on TV, and I felt this somehow too, and I'm happy I have my degree to back me up, and I think you would agree too, but being on TV almost like would almost discredit you in the scientific community. You know what I mean? Because they might think you're might just some type of bozo clown who's just great on camera and who's not, you know, who's not really. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I, I think that, 
anything can be used to discredit you. So if they see you on TV and you're handling something, then the scientists who don't handle will think that you're, oh, yeah. here, 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 let me throw some stones at you. Um, yes, but I, I think that you can expand that broader into the fact that there is a culture. Those that want to run you down will find something. So if it's not your being on TV, like you can you can have the smartest opinion you want with all the degrees and all the backup that you have, and they're gonna find something they don't like about you. They'll they'll pick your shirt, they'll pick, you know, <laughs> they'll pick your the animal selection that you had, or they're like you'll you'll have handled a crocodile one way, but you didn't like exactly where your index finger was, and you'll and they'll hate you for that reason. You so, know, yeah, I stopped uh, I stopped reading YouTube comments. One of them was pretty funny, though. One of them was talking about how, like, they, I think someone on YouTube said it was after I did Late Night with Seth Meyers, how um, they said that we just seemed like I just seemed so coked up, like, <laughs> like drugged up with so much. And they someone was just like, man, all these animal guys just seem coked up. And someone who must have not been paying attention because I don't look anything like you for some reason. So you were on Kimmel one night and I was on Late Night with Seth Meyers. And I think it maybe it was the night before or whatever. And someone wrote, man, this guy was just on Kimmel last night. And now he's on Seth Meyers. And I was like, man, these guys have no idea. <laughs> like we're like two different people. And anyway, it's, just, uh, it's pretty crazy. That's the industry. That's the industry. I remember the very first show I ever did. I did um, um, Letterman. I did Letterman. Oh. Very first show I ever did. I just had spinal surgery. And my doctor's like, you need six weeks um, bed rest. Mm. And the network called. They're like, hey, we've got your booking to promote your new show, but you got to get out of bed. So I was like kind of half injured, half going there. I was 22, single, living in a tent. Well, <laughs> I was But like I hadn't seen a, a woman in five years living <laughs> in this tent. I was downtown New York, and in my opinion, like the network put me up at a fancy hotel, and I'm out on the town. My buddies drove down, and I can remember I was just on Letterman. These girls were in a, in the hotel elevator, going to the bar, uh, like going up to the bar, talking about, "Did you see that beautiful tiger on Letterman?" And they were talking and talking and talking, and I was like standing right next to them, waiting, for, like this is my moment. I'm gonna get recognized for the very first time. And like my buddy's like, "That was him." And the girls were like, no, that wasn't it. <laughs> like, it was literally only aired five minutes ago. They've already forgotten my face. And eventually one of the girls was like, oh, yeah, I recognize those shoes. Because obviously the tiger was at my feet the whole time. So like, oh, that is him. And I'm like, ah, man. Yeah, so people don't look at you. Like, like the, you, know, you take it as a compliment. Like, you're not yeah. there to make yourself famous or make yourself – it's like you're there to show the animals off. And if people don't see your face and they think that you and I look like – great. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know, whatever. Yeah, I wish my arms were as big as yours, but uh, huh? no. <laughs> that's that's just me. that's because more things try and bite me than you. You're clearly not a nicer guy. You know, <laughs> I, I I have to I have to be big enough to defend myself. There you go. Me too. Just in, I guess in different ways. Well, Dave, tell me how um how was that first appearance on Letterman? Because he's notorious for being difficult to work with, and it was complete different from um from the from the uh, Tonight Show. What was that like? There's a lot of different things uh, that happened to me. So it was great. So first of all, you're absolutely right. Like everyone, everyone, every talk show host does do things differently. Dave, Dave doesn't come down to chit chat and he doesn't want to be friendly and he's on air, but that, he's not the only one. I've, I've, Jimmy's a good example. Jimmy and I, I think we're, I wouldn't say we're, we're buddies. Like I don't, I don't hang out at his house, but we're as friendly as two people who work in that environment are, but he, I don't see him beforehand or afterwards. And, really? No, no, no. Like Jay, was probably one of the only guys and even when but after like my 20th or 30th yeah. time there jay would come down if he had time and jay would come down 
once in a while, or particularly if there was a cat. If there was a cat, he would come down because he wanted to, you know, have have fun with it because he's definitely the cat guy. But even then, like it was usually in the Tonight Show scenario, you know, in those back hallways, I'd pass Jay and he'd be in his same blue shirt that he wears every day, yep. and he'd be like, hey, "Hey, Dave, we'll see you out there," you know. And that was the way. But yeah, typically. So I guess I wasn't put off by the fact that I didn't see him for hand because they all said this is normal. And uh, the, only, the, the one thing that I remember the most, one, uh, television at this point wasn't my job, wasn't my aspiration, wasn't – I was still in my mind a scientist and a conservationist. And TV was kind of like oh, this is a way that, to get to do what I want to do with the world. Um, and I, you know, I showed up, and I remember like they didn't like the clothes I was wearing, so someone ran to like H and M, and like, they got something that, that to, to like fit me better or have less holes. I don't remember what I was wearing, but once again, I was living in a tent for the last few years. I have no idea what I what I showed up to TV for. Oh my god! And that was a little bit off-putting that the tiger hated me. So like, oh, yeah. I had like this tiger. Like it, you, you probably bring your own animals, but I, 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 I meet the wranglers. We vet the wranglers. Oh no, I, I do I that to too. Yeah. yeah, in New right. York. Yep, yep, yep. Same people. So a lot right. of times you just meet the animals that day. Nowadays, I, I've worked with the same wranglers for like years and years and years. I know whose animals are gonna like me and who don't based on the way that they handle. Um, but this tiger hates me. I'm like, oh, this is not good. Like I've never had a tiger who hates me. I usually like this. I, this is my what I do. Uh, but the real dramatic end to that, and you can see it if you if you YouTube it. Um, okay. I was perfectly relaxed. I had no concern as to whether how it would go or not go or whatever. And I can remember just being at the back door, and the producer standing next to me, just as you would, as as any normal segment. And then she says to me, "She goes, are you nervous?" I'm like, "Nervous? Why would I be nervous? Well, what's there to be nervous about?" And then she tells me, wow, there's like a big this and big that and all the people. <laughs> and then my eyes widen. I'm like, whoa, yeah, no, yeah. I'm terrified. And you can see, like, I, I now can see when I walk out, like, I'm like, holy shoot. Like, yeah. I, I, I had, like, diarrhea mouth and, like, couldn't speak, couldn't think. I'm sure I didn't even come into consciousness until my third or fourth question. But Dave was fantastic. Dave um, actually – has a, a, an interest in conservation. He has his own dog. He loves animals. So certainly I got the impression, you know, they warned me in advance, like, listen, you're not a comedian. Don't go out there and try and crack jokes. You know, so I knew in advance, Dave was the one to crack the jokes. I'm just there to tell my story and be me. And because of that, I think that when you play ball with Dave and you let Dave be Dave, which I was trying my best to do, he was absolutely kind to me. But I also think that he also knew that I was stunned i was like oh like stunned by the cameras and i think that he was nice to me in that way i think it would would have looked awful if this you know this bush tiger guy trying to save the world you know gets picked on by 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 dave letterman like he, he was super kind to me and everyone was nice there you know i've never even said this publicly but um i remember steve ridgeway the person who discovered me on the tonight show your good friend and um he told me that really early on and i you you can watch some of my segments on on youtube too when i was young and i would try to crack jokes and i remember like going through my pre-interview and i i was going to say some little some joke and Steve was like, don't do that. He's like, I'm trying to make you great. He's like, do not be the comedian. That's Jay's job. And I re specifically remember that because I remember thinking like, oh, this would be funny, this and that. And it was always good. Now, after doing it for so many years, I, now I know the formula and I'm, I'm, I'm more right. experienced. I'm like, okay, let them shine. And then you turn out and then you look like the star. And that's what Steve always told me. It's funny that they said that to you. Yeah. And it also, it also speaks to the different hosts. So I, I don't know how the variety of different shows you've done, but at, at this point, 
it's all based on, in my opinion, the type of host. So you can walk into a show where the person is completely uncomfortable with animals and animal segments, and they get completely lost. So like they forget to call out the next animal. They forget to and, – and so there are segments that I have to be the one driving the segment. Okay, everybody, this is what we're seeing. This is what we're doing. This is what we should take from this. Mm-hmm. And then there are segments, I just say, like Jay, who he wouldn't like it if you tried to drive his segment, and he would run you into the ground if you did. So you can take a back seat because he has the interest and you're just the the conduit for the animal to try to speak for them and, and get them interested. And everywhere in between, I find that the very the very first segment of any new show that I do with any new host is the hardest amount of work that I have to do in those formats. Uh, because you just don't know what to expect. Are they gonna are they gonna play it up like they're terrified? Are they gonna uh, are they gonna lose their place in segment or do they want me to crack jokes? Are they not? Uh, so I think that's the hardest part. But once you get to know the host, as you say, you'll find your footing. Like with Jay, you kind of you found your footing. With other hosts, I'm sure Seth, I'm sure you you find your footing with them, and you know what your role is. I say, you know, a great example is is Jack. You know, and I know you spoke to him last year. Yeah, Jack. Uh, yeah, because because they they eventually built the shtick over time. And I think if Jack ever tried to get outside of that shtick, if he was like, you know what, Dave, I'm tired of looking like the heel of your joke and, and kind of looking like the, the bumbling dullard. Yeah. Not that he looks like a bumbling dullard, but like he kind of oh, had that persona like, you know, oh, I don't know what's going on. Look at all the chaos. And like that was his shtick. I think if he ever was like, no, I want to play it straight. I want, I want people to know that I'm a smart man that is completely confident in what he does and what he knows. I think David would be like, oh, I don't think that'll play as well. No, and, so, I, and I think Jack doesn't get a lot of credit because a lot of people do mention that. Like a lot of people mention, oh, this guy knows nothing about animals. But that's Jack's – it's his thing. That's what he would play along with Letterman. Yeah, his shit. You, yeah. you don't keep a job that long yeah. and, do, and do as many things as he does without knowing what he's doing. And certainly – and you might know this as well as I do. I find this all the time. I just did a shoot the other day where – no one told me what species I was going to work with. Okay. I, I knew the Wrangler. We went to her place, but then we were with another person on camera, and that person was just going to walk around and see which animals they wanted to learn about. But you can be an expert in a lot of things, but you can't be an expert in everything. So, you know, she picks some species that I know nothing about. Of course I would look like, I don't know. I, I, I would never on camera want to be the guy that, like, leans over his shoulder. Hey, how old is this one? Or where is this one from? But this is the situation I was in in this case because it come out and then the person I was on camera with, it was like, hey, ask me a question I didn't know anything about because I couldn't do any pre-research. Uh, Jack just kind of ran with that. You know, you yeah. can kind of see lots of times where he's like, people don't care if I know everything about everything. People just want to – know the animals are well cared for and that you, I know something interesting about this animal. So uh, I, I like his shtick, but it, it definitely goes to, the, goes to the point where when you and I are out there, you have to find your role for that host. And I think that some of us animal people are right for some types of hosts and, and some that aren't. Yeah. You know, if, we, if we're super smarmy and sarcastic, that won't work for late night. Maybe that's a little bit better for the daytime uh, TV shows and those types of things. And uh, but you got to figure all you that know, out on your own. You know, it was really intimidating. I did a press tour in New York with Jack's team and Jack's animals from the Columbus Zoo. And that was like, I had to earn their respect from those handlers who have been with Jack for 20 years. And I remember I wanted to do something with one of the clouded leopards. And I, I, I wanted to do something more hands-on because Jack's really not hands-on. He lets the handlers do and he talks. I said, oh, well, I'm, I would, we were doing the Today Show, People Magazine, whatever. And I was like, oh, I'd love to be able to hold something or this and that or let the host touch and i remember she's like well i'm gonna have to call jack and anyway so they called jack and it was so intimidating but then afterwards it was such an honor to work with this team and they were so nice and i think 
Yeah, I think I definitely gained their respect over But that was intimidating, man. Jack's people. It was like, oh, my God, it's like oh, a legend. Bet. It was a legend, you know, and they have a system down. But, yeah, everything. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. So very, very cool. Do you have a favorite show you've done? Uh, there'd be no way I could do. I, I could have a favorite. I, I feel like I've been the long enough ho or, or long enough uh, fixture on shows that, like, if you were to pick one, you might insult another. Certainly, uh, I have some hosts that I've worked with that I'm like, I, I'm not. I don't look forward to it when their name pops up in my calendar. <laughs> Never do I say to my publicist, I never was like, oh, pitch that show again. I really like them to talk about my new digital series. Um, but like, I think that if you watch any of my segments, you can, I, I am an animal person. So you can tell the people I like and you can tell the people I don't like. Uh, and so people are always asking, oh, is, is Jim, are Jimmy and you, you know, tight? Is Jimmy as nice a guy as he seems when he's on him? Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy, for what I've seen, Jimmy is exactly who he pretends to be on camera. That's why he's had such a long career. I feel like people who pretend to be something that they're not, their career doesn't last forever. Um, so, you know, Jimmy by no means pretends to be an animal guy, animal lover. Like he's definitely not going to come down, you know, in his own time and say, hey, Dave, can I play with some animals? Like, <laughs> Whereas Jay, another person who you can tell on camera, I had a ton of respect for and liked a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, he and his team had great loyalties to me and probably something you might must have experienced. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, have, I have a love for all those people. Those people – They've helped me in a lot of different ways. I feel they've helped me in one that I've had a career this long, and I think if I didn't have those those people at those times, I think I wouldn't have the career that I had. But I also – I'm not disingenuous when I tell people what my intention is. My intention is really just to – I'd love to – someone wants to think that I made an impact on the planet. I, I convinced some people to love animals even a little bit more than they, they would have. Uh, and and those shows, they reach a much bigger audience. I do tons of documentaries, tons and tons. People don't – I bet you 60% of the time I get recognized, people don't say, oh, man, I saw you with those lions or I saw you with those sharks or I saw you with those elephants. They saw you on that Kimmel show. And the reason why, in my opinion, is when their audiences are bigger, bigger mm -hmm. but they're also an audience that aren't looking for documentaries. If you say, hey, there's a lion documentary with some fool in a beard, you know, <laughs> zipping around, they, maybe they'll tune in for a couple of seconds. But those forums give us the opportunity to reach people who haven't decided if they're animal lovers yet. And I think that that is really important if you have the goals that we say that we have. So uh, I've loved a lot of those. The shows that have really had me on long term uh, have really given me an opportunity to, to, to have a message rather than being told what my message is. Uh, I really, really like. Uh, and, I, and, and publicly, I would never tell you the other ones. Yeah, yeah. I'll ask <laughs> the ones you off I don't, air. Like, I, maybe it would be a quiet night over a beer. I'd be like, oh, yeah, this guy. I'll tell you that. Oh, I'll tell you one. I'll tell you off air. I have one person. Oh, oh no, no, no. Two people. Nightmare. But it's okay. Your list is already growing. I know, too. And I'm a, I'm a nice person. I am who I am. I mean, I don't like people who don't want to be there. But I get it. They're there with their teams. Their producers like, oh, you have this animal person. They're just probably just like, oh, you know what I mean? So I, I, I can understand some people who want to be taken as serious, you know, Journalist. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, that, that, that's going to send me on a tangent that I probably shouldn't go on. <laughs> I know your publicist is like, don't say it. You know, you're lucky. <laughs> I, but I had Jack Hanna on. His publicist was right there just to make sure <laughs> he would look over. I know, I know you're listening. He'd be like, is that okay to say? Like, can I talk about like, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I've, been, I, I've gotten that phone call many, many times. Uh, Dave, why don't you come down to New York and get some extra media training? And that's when I'm like, oh, what did I say this time? Oh, really? I've never had oh, media training. Is that awful? Times. Oh, God. Is Stop. that awful? Stop. 
Oh my! I, I oh. feel like I'm, I've, because I've had a, enough media training in that way. Because I've I've wor- I worked for Animal Planet for twenty something years now, or is it twenty years now? Twenty years now. Twenty. This January is twenty twenty, so it'll be twenty one years in January. Wow. Uh, and because that whole time I've had a publicist, but like the first five or six years when you have no media training and, re- and also you're too young to think of it as a career. You're like, I don't care. These idiots are paying me to do things I do for free. <laughs> I don't, you know? So eventually you start to pay attention to these publicists. I, and, and I, I feel like I get a little bit of slack from animal planet. Um, when, because they think that I'm going to be reasonable. Uh, certainly when you ask me to be on the show, I can't just go, oh, yeah, no problem. What time, when, where? I have to say, uh, I've got some things. I'll get back to you. And that's when I go back to them and say, here's the, here's the forum. This is what we want to talk about. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is totally within brand. This is, they seem like they're not, I got you, media people. Sure, let's, let's, let's go ahead with it. Uh, so I do, I, I do keep them close, but I think that they give me a lot of slack. This is why I like the podcast. I can do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> and, oh. and people have tried to change it too. Like I've had my team like, oh, let's do this and let's do that. And it's like, I love, I like how it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I wasn't a real podcast guy. And then, you know, maybe it was, uh, I started listening to audio books uh, maybe a year ago because uh-huh. I have kids and I can't read anymore. Yeah. Uh, I have no time to read. Uh, and then as I got into podcasts, it's one of the common things of all the co- podcasts that I, I, I listen to a, a, an array of different subjects, uh, and, and then therefore hosts and almost all of them say the same thing. Like I love the freedom of, I'm going to do me and my thing and it'll succeed or it'll fail based on what I'm doing, but I don't have, you know, the man over, over top of me. Yeah. I tell you what, I am a, I, in my nature, if you, if you're on a hike with me, a camping trip with me. I am a loudmouth, opinionated guy. <laughs> you sound like. <laughs> like, like, I, like I'd be casual if you ask me my favorite car. I'd be like, like Toyota or Ford. Yeah. Like that's not the argument I'm ever going to get in. But when I'm passionate about something, I do not mince words. You know, it, it's usually got lots of f bombs in the middle of my description <laughs> of how I feel about that person or that thing or the, you know, and. I just have to rein that in. You know, we did talk a little bit about trophy hunting or we, we did talk about um, the woke culture, the, yeah, yeah. the, the social media justice people. My, my feelings are way stronger than I let you believe yesterday. But like your, your, your PR, your, 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 the difference between who you are as a, as a public figure and the goals you have uh, are different than, you know, what the human being that is a little bit frustrated, you know, going on a hike in the bush, trying to calm down and, ha- and and expunge all the negativity in the world where, you know, as you're just trying to do some good for animals, a bunch of animal groups are the ones that are attacking you on Twitter because you, I don't know, you screwed up and you said something wrong on a talk show. The uh, the the venting, you know, my, my poor wife for the first 20 minutes of every hike is me going, <laughs> and then I'm calmed down and I can I can relax and not and not take it so seriously. But, uh, you know, I, I think that I think that the PR is a wonderful tool to help you. Uh, <laughs> actually get I love I did that full turnaround that went full circle. So, yeah, don't, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Dave, which animals do you like to work with on TV? We all have our favorites. Let's talk about some of the animals. And I've seen, by the way, I've watched several of your YouTube clips on Kimmel. My yep. goodness, you've had some amazing ambassadors, including a rock hyrax. I geeked out because I was like, I didn't even realize. I mean, that fr- I was like, no way. He got a hyrax. You know, you had. I can't giraffe. believe you love the hyrax. Oh God, yeah, closely nice. relative to the elephant. Are you kidding me? I was like, how did he get a hyrax? Those are like, 
I'm like weird like that though. Like I like animals like that. Like when, when we did the, the, the cheetah segment on the today show, I was more excited yep. to have the false gharial, that crocodilian, uh -oh. the, then, 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 then the cheetah and people were like, Oh, that's the alligator. And I was like, it's not an alligator. And then I was like, I caught myself. I'm like, ah. crap. I just yelled at like someone. I'm like, Oh, never yeah, mind. You don't have to be angry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What's your favorite? Um, my favorite. I, I have to say my handling background always goes back to the cats. Mm. And recently, Cats are such a hotbed of issues that I don't I don't enjoy. I can still do it. Like I, I don't want any of these social justice groups to think that they've convinced me I'm not bringing cats on anymore because I am. And 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 guys, if you you want to attack me, bring it on. Take your email bots and send them to my bosses. They <laughs> they block you faster than you make them. So with that caveat, um, I go home stressed because I, I have an honest. I, so I guess my answer to your question is I love bringing the cats on and I, and I do get to do that still. Uh, I don't do it as much as I used to because, you know, my actual intention for these things are to promote positivity within animals and rat and not promote these arguments. So I don't do it not because I care about the negativity or that my bosses care about these email bots that, that, that send thousands of emails saying cats don't belong on camera. Bro. Mm -hmm. I do it more because I'm trying to focus on the positive. If we can all get along and say that this animal's okay to have on this show, then I think that we my message gets gets further. What I my actual intention of. So take I don't want to talk everything about negativity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not at all. So the cats are one of the things, but that's only because that's where my background is. My I I started there. I love it. I they get me, I get them. I, I always tell people that there are animal people that are that are attuned to a particular type of animal. So oh, yeah. when a when a when a when a reptile guy walks in the room, you're like, right. that's yeah. a reptile. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. a horse guy walks in the room, that's a horse guy. So I love horses and reptiles and birds and you know, I just hung out with uh, just maybe a year ago. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I finally got to bring a big venomous snake on one of these shows, oh. which is not my thing. I'm not a real thing, but I really trust my my my, my uh, snake guy, and he he's very safe. So he's like, when he said I could do it, then I could do it. And so I love doing something new like that because you learn a new skill, and I'm always fascinated by it. And I, and and so that's awesome some days, but then other days when I've been handling you know a bird that oh man david might bite you but don't worry and then you got an anteater hey it might scratch you dave don't worry and then every once in a while someone will give me something that i just know i don't need to be coached on it i don't need to know its type of personality even if you tell me all the different personality quirks of your tiger or your lion or your leopard or your whatever when i hold it i will know all of that thing and i don't know why and i know it sounds that i'm trying to say i'm some kind of magical creature i'm just saying i get it i get them so much better uh and and it's not the comfort that makes me makes them my favorite. I think it is the nostalgia. It's more the fact that like, oh yeah, this is kind of where I started. I remember the first time I grabbed this animal. I told you the story the first time I patted that lion. That I just was a kid. I was three, and I looked at the poster, and I was like, man, wouldn't it be cool to touch that animal? And every time I touched a cat, it reminds me of the first animal that I touched, and I was like. This is what I wanted. This is and, and this is better than I expected. I knew it was gonna be awesome, but this is crazy. So I think that every animal you mentioned excites the crud out of me on the day. Like if you tell me tomorrow I'm gonna handle, I don't know, whatever it happens to be, I'll be like, whoa. So that'll be my favorite that day because I'll read about it and yeah. I want to know all the quirky things about it. And I'll call my buddy who happens to be a nerd on that species. And I'm like, can you tell me something real <laughs> sneaky that no one would know, even if you're an animal expert? Um, so then that one becomes my favorite that day. But if I had to pick the one, I think it's pick a big cat. Wow. 
And that's so opposite for me, but my background is in reptiles. So that when I hand me a reptile, and, and they're pretty much a lot easier. So I'm completely comfortable. It's like, oh, it's safe, you know. Easier. Childhood. Easier well, yeah, but the, see, they I like me every chance they see, get. I that's the thing. That's the thing. But then you took I've only done cats a few times, and I told you the last episode. I I did baby tigers on Seth. We had three of them. They're three months old, and it was like you know, one was crying and right before we went out and I thought, dear God, if this cat is screaming or crying on air, it's my first time on Seth, something, yeah, I just don't want to deal with that type Corbin, of negative publicity. Don't have three at the same time. Well, hold on. <laughs> hold on, hold on. You don't on. want more animals than you have I know. hands. Hold on, hold on. So actually, no. So I just had one and then we had two handlers. One was going to path uh, the celebrity uh, okay. one and one was Seth. It turned out I switched one of the tigers right before I went on and the tigers, they felt comfortable they took the bottle it was it turned out to be great and uh, but that was an animal i wasn't very familiar with and so that completely makes sense that wasn't nostalgia for me that was like oh crap <laughs> right. but i would well, say and that, and that goes back to what i was saying about the venomous snake like you probably oh, yeah. something you'd be more comfortable than oh, me absolutely I, I literally had to work and he hated that i used the wrong term and i know if he's listening he'll he'll be mad at me were they are they called tongs Tongs, yeah. Oh, God, you don't know okay. tongs. I, oh, I was oh. calling them sticks, maybe. Oh! <laughs> I was like, oh, the, the sticks? I mean, I think I was on Instagram, or I was filming it for some reason, and he kept saying, Dave, and this is a guy that I've known for years, I trust, we're, we're friends. Yeah. He's like, Dave, don't call them sticks. <laughs> They're tongs. I'm like, got it. So, <laughs> your tiger experience is the same as my snake. It's exciting. Oh, yeah. But you have to think so much more, because you've been told all the safety, and you don't get where we, ha we are without... Thinking safety first, safety for the animal, then safety for yourself, and then everybody else who's around. But it's not natural. It's sort of like, I don't know if you ride motorcycles, but I feel like no. the first time you do, you're kind of in your head, you're like, brake, clutch, acceleration. <laughs> like it's, it's all put it. Then all of a sudden, one day, it's like, and you're riding, and you're going. Um, and animals can be similar, where like there are some that you just, all the things you should be thinking about, you already are thinking about. They're just obvious and in your brain. And then you get that heightened sense of awareness because you then can focus on the other stuff. Like if I had, I was telling some, so I had a young guy who was trying to learn a little bit more about cats. And it was back when I had some bigger ones that had tempers. And I was like, listen, you don't want to learn from a good cat. I mean, it'll give you this false <laughs> security that you can do anything. Uh, come by the grumpy cats and you can see like, because you're watching all the obvious stuff, okay, the tail, the grumble, the, the, the lining up of the spine, the, the weight in the back feet. If you're thinking in those lines, you're just a junior guy and you, you shouldn't be you know, doing what we're doing. You need to be looking at the angle of the whisker. You need to know that this cat, he'll drop his whiskers just before he's starting to get angry. You got to know that this guy's a sneaky cat. Then if he's only looking at you with one eye, that's actually more dangerous than when he's got both of his eyes focused on you. And it's different from everyone, every animal, but it's about understanding that if you really want to get good at this kind of stuff and this kind of awareness is understanding that cats really want to communicate with their body. They don't, they're not as vocal as human beings. They, they, they were they're, They vocalize with their eyes, their, their, their fur, their tails, or, mm -hmm. you know, people always ask, you know, okay, why does the tiger have black spots on, on his thing? And people think that it's all this massive debate. It's not a massive debate. It's just people who don't understand cats to the level that someone like we do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They outline the things that they move to communicate. Meaning, you know, we as humans will smile. You know, whether you, whether you, if you show more white as a, as, a, as an ape, it means you're happy. If you yeah. show less, it means you're upset. Well, cats have that same thing. So the cats have got the white lines. They have the black uh, spots, the black tail, like all of the things that are that highlight for the way in which they communicate. Um, have these th this contrast, you know? Oh, it's for following cubs when they're young, and 
Okay, to a degree, that probably is one of the uses. But really what it is, is those are all the little things that are going to tweak and twiggle in order for that animal to say, this is what I'm thinking right now. You know, and, and, and that's particularly for the solitary type animals. They need to communicate better because they can't really break into physical contact all the time. Whereas like if you're a big male lion, you're like they have far less of those things. They got a big tuft on the back of their tail. And sure, they have their their big mane. Uh but really, they like they don't care if you if you if if you're getting the message or not because they like they tell you the message and if you don't listen they're like well you'll listen now because I'm coming to get you. That's interesting. So are lions more difficult to train because they're the only real social cat compared to tigers, no, which are solitary, no, or is it opposite? I, I think it's the opposite. I, I, well, training a lion, training a tiger, to say one's more difficult than the other, then you would be getting into individuals. Meaning, okay, yeah. as a species, they're pretty similar because. You know, the one thing I love about a lion and a tiger different than a jaguar and a leopard is that if they wake up in a bad mood, they're in a bad mood all day. So you're very predictable in that way. Oh. So uh, whereas a leopard or particularly a jaguar. Have you worked with, I'm sure young, you've worked with them. Oh, yeah. And a young jaguar, they're manageable. But, it, but, but an adult with all the hormones in their body, they change their mood every 10 seconds. Anything can change their mood. So you can be walking them saying like, you, the, okay, you, you, got the, you got the lead on them. You know they like the lead because they know it brings them to their favorite play area. And I know their favorite treats are going to be there. And their favorite ball is going to be there. Or their favorite friend they get to play with. So in your head, you're like, I was just in your enclosure. You're in a great mood. You're happy to see me. You're happy to see the lead because it means you're going to go to your happy place. But somewhere in between, you changed your mood. And now you're trying to tear my throat out. And I'm like, oh, what the heck? Whereas a male lion, like... You can walk into the enclosure and he'll be like, like oh, yeah, it's not your day today. That was good. And, and, oh, my and, God. Do oh, it again, Dave. Do it again. Wow. Very cool. Okay. You think that's cool? My, my, it's, it's actually it's something that I don't know that I do sometimes. And I was at school the other day with my son and he did something I didn't like or something. And I growled at him. And some parents like, do you just growl at your child? <laughs> Oh, oh, maybe. I didn't mean to, but he gets it. He, he knows what it means. Come on, pay attention. Oh, that's um, so awesome. <laughs> but I, I think that uh, lion versus tiger, a lion is more rewarding. Let's say that it, all things are equal and the lion likes training and you like training it and it happens to be a good guy and he loves all the benefits of being able to come out of its enclosure and play and, and, and see the world and entertain its brain. A lion is rewarding because they hug the crud out of you. When they they haven't seen you in a little while, they jump on your shoulders, they lick your face till it bleeds, they pop oh. all their lion oils on you. And I tell you, if, you, if you're an animal guy like we are, it, it, there's, it, there's hard to think of anything more rewarding. I can remember that lion Bongo that hey, I told Bongo. you, the first lion who tried to kill me, I got back with him, blah, blah, blah. I went away to Africa to do this tiger thing that I was telling you. I came back home maybe after eight months or so um, to see my family. And when I was there, I stopped by uh, the zoo that I'd worked at. I saw him there. And typically a male lion, once you, if you knew he, you used to be his boss, and now you're not his boss anymore, typically speaking, he wants to tear your head off. And he sees you and he's like, don't you dare try and dominate me. I am the boss here. Mm-hmm. I saw him and he's like, whoom, whoom, whoom. and he's you know pumping around like he wants to see, like, go get the lead, go get the lead. Come on, get, get my brush. Let's come brush my hair. Um, oh. and I can remember that hug more than probably the 150,000 hugs I've gotten from a cat in my life. That one was like, cause, I was, cause it was so, I didn't expect it. I'd been away. I, I, 
I think I'd taken steps towards this new career in life that I was doing, and I came back to see my old pal, but kind of already prepared that my old pal wouldn't love me the way I love him, trying not to anthropomorphize the way that I'm not supposed to. Man, oh man, when I got in there with my lead and he jumped up and he started licking my head and the blood started pouring down my face and I was like, oh, I love it, don't worry. I, I'll take a, as many licks as he's going to give me. And there, for me anyway, it's something so rewarding about a gregarious cat like a lion because they do what we do. Like if, I, if you haven't seen your wife in forever and you come back, she's going to hug the crud out of you and she's going to almost bug you that she won't let you go. A lion to be like that. Whereas a tiger, they can love you and they can come and give you a hug and a kiss and hang with you, but it's not quite as gregarious as that. Okay. Is there an animal that you don't like to work with? <laughs> probably shouldn't agree to any of these things. Uh, there's probably lots. So a horse is a great example of an animal that I, I – it is like the, the high school one-sided relationship. Like she's the pretty girl and I, <laughs> I can't get her. A horse – if you're a horse guy, you can train a horse. Let's say there's a behavior that takes you two days to train most horses. Mm. That same behavior would take me two weeks. Mm. I just – horses and I, I love the crud out of them, but they don't get me and I don't get them and I find them very, very difficult. So I, I love them, but it certainly is not one that if someone was like, hey, I've got this horse that I'm having trouble with. Could you come help me with it? I'd be like, oh, geez, I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, grizzly bears, they bite me a lot and they hurt. hurt. But I do love them. I find them – they're one of my favorite animals. Like, But a captive, like, come hang with me, grizzly bear, versus a go see it in the wild. Wild, leave it alone. I get bit so much by grizzly bears. Some of my worst bites on the planet have been grizzly bears. I've been bit over the skull by a, by a young grizzly bear. I remember a grizzly bear. I was dating the host of this live TV show, and the, on camera, uh, it bit me in the thumb, and it was tearing and tearing and tearing. Oh. It was – killing me it was like his canine was a good inch and a half in my thumb and he was shaking at me but you could see it was one of those live shows that actually had a countdown i looked up and there was about 12 seconds left oh so crap remember the host like i say who was a little bit invested in me it could tell i was in pain and, and the bear was just tearing at my thumb and i was like oh yeah i'm trying to like give one more fun fact about grizzly bears without the audience because you know as well as i do if they would have forgotten every positive thing i said about grizzly bears and all they would have focused on is being a bit by a bear or yeah. or animal handler attacked yeah. you know on tv i wasn't having it i was just gonna smile through this whole thing uh but that was a terrible bite it was a real bad one because i just let him sit there and tear at it for 12 seconds that was the worst one on tv you think on tv the worst one I mean, I got nailed a few times, but I, I'd say that's the most memorable, most painful. Mm. I've nailed a few other times, but typically on TV, uh, they're usually like sharp or quick, and and you know you know you don't really have too many real big, the big animals that you do bring. They're so consistent, you they they, they never cause you a problem. Like you're not going to bring a full grown bear or a full grown elephant that you don't know with a hundred percent confidence that it's just fine. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I would say maybe that would be the You're, worst. Have you been on YouTube? Have you seen when Jack Hanna got bit by a beaver on Letterman? No, no, I heard that story he told though. Yeah, oh yeah, it is like you see that, and it's like, oh my god. <laughs> oh, because right. I, I got because yeah, he told me that he, I listened to your podcast and, uh -huh. I, and I heard the story about him going to ER, and I and my lion bite was similar. I almost had the exact same thing as as, as Jack did. Yeah, great story. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google that. But like, so I went in with my. So I, I, it's a longer story, and we don't have a ton of time left. Yeah. So I won't waste all the time. Yeah. 
So my the lion tore my forearm on it. I waited. The vet came. Boss came. I got out. The paramedic kept saying, I want to look at it. I want to look at it. And I'm like, man, I just got – once my boss and the vet come, I'm not responsible for this dangerous animal and those 35,000. So I'm not going to unwrap my arm because I know I'm going to go into shock. Yeah. And then and, 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 and <laughs> the paramedics are yelling at me. The head of health and safety of this theme park's like, you let him see it, Dave. And I'm like, okay, I'll tell you what. Put my hand behind my back oh. so I don't see it because I'm still responsible here. So – he opens it up. The first thing he says is, oh, my God, he's going to lose his arm. Oh, my God. I'm kind of a mouthy guy. And I was a lot younger at the time. I rip into this paramedic. Obviously, I'm having a bad day. My best friend just tried to kill me. And I'm like, you get out of here. You don't die. I just told you what? I'm responsible. Oh, my God. He's going to lose his arm. It was awful. So, anyways, now. Did you freak out? Like. Did you think yeah, you were going to lose out. your I arm? I freak out. I That's scream a, at this guy. Like oh, my God. He's supposed it's to comfort you. Yeah. And then, he's, and then he says, I'm leaving if you keep yelling at me. I don't care if you leave. You get the F-bomb out of here. You stupid. So now I've got to take the cab to the hospital because I because he left. Paramedic's gone. Yeah. Eventually everything settles and I get to go. I go into the hospital and it's one of these hospital rooms that's like it's just a desk in amongst all these people. I go up to the lady and she says, what's wrong? And I said, under this towel, I, I, I have a bite and, it, and it's pretty bad. And she's like, oh, can I see it? I said, well, if I undo it, there's, it's going to be really bad. And you don't want to do it here in front of people. Sir, I am an ER nurse. I am seeing <laughs> I'm like, oh, you have, have you? I've had a pretty bad day. Let's see if I can make yours worse. Open up this towel and the muscles, I don't know if you've ever seen a muscle, but it lengthens if it's been severed. So the muscle, it just kind of goes out like spaghetti. Oh. Like these long stringy God. bits on this lady's desk. And I remember the only thing that happened was I did it and there was some young kid over here. Oh, mommy, look at that bird's arm. <laughs> oh, my. And, and people start reacting. Everybody's up in arms or I'll get me into a room somewhere. And uh, So Jack's story, the beaver, I was like, I, I totally relate to that beaver story where the lady's like, um, you're trying to be like, play it down. Like, let's get into a private room somewhere where I can tell you what happened. Like. No, no, you want me to tell you? Fine, I will. Oh, but, my God. That's so funny. Okay, Dave, I know you have to go soon. Talk about your new digital series through Animal Planet so my listeners can follow it and watch it and any new projects you have going on. Yeah, so I have Big, Small, and Deadly, which is the broadcast show. I think we're going to start re-airing the second half of that season very shortly. Uh, that's the, the on Animal Planet. Um, and then if you go on Facebook, it's a Facebook watch show. Look for Animal Bites with Dave Salmoni. We've got two seasons out there already. Season three is coming out literally in the next couple of weeks, and it's all all African animals. It is spectacular, Corbin. You've got to see it. It's it's pretty it's pretty good. So go on your Facebook, sub subscribe, send me messages. I'm trying to get better on like the replying. So if you ask animal questions, I'm going to reply to you. If you say, "Hey, Dave," like, and you say something silly, I'm not going to reply. So. Like, for those of you who want to ask good questions about animals, I, that's the forum to do it. I like to open discussions about all this stuff. Um, so it's it, hopefully that's sort of the best way people can engage with what, what we're up to, what I'm up to. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Do you, do you see yourself still with Animal Planet? I mean, I guess you won't be that old in 10 years. But like walking out on a well, walker? Like. <laughs> who knows? You know, truthfully speaking, I, I've never thought of this as a career, right? Like, it's sort of like it's a job. I'm in my 20s. They're like, these weirdos are like, they're like, hey, what do you want to do? I'm like, actually, I'm going to go live with some lions. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll pay for that. So for 10 years, it was just like, I was like, I, at the, in January, I'd tell them some silly thing I want to do with animals, and they'd pay for it. So like. That's great. Then eventually, I had a mortgage. So then it became a job, right? And so the last 10 or 15 years, it's definitely my job. 
now I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old, a mortgage and a wife. And this, this is my wheelhouse right now is great. They, they, I have my digital series that I can shoot, you know, very little time away. I'm not doing 18 month projects like I used to do, but I would say 10 years from now, I think I would love to get back to doing some, there's some of the more adventurous stuff that I used to do because kids won't need me as much. My wife probably sick in my face by then. Oh. And then you go right back into the, into those big conservation projects. Now, you know, that, that first project that I did living with tigers, I, I believed in it and I loved it. And I thought it really did, would make an impact. I can see now where my impact is on the planet. I think that animal planet as a partner, they reach, they're global. They're everywhere. They're, you know, there are 310 or 210 countries, 350 million households. So my message gets out there and that's what I love. So I would love to in 10 years still be with that same message, still be doing the things that I'm passionate about. Like those things that like when you, when your eyes widen and you're like, yeah. I'm going to go and do this, you know, and, and, and they say, yeah, we'll pay for that. Like that's the moment that you know, you're, you're in for a, a pretty spectacular adventure. Uh, and unfortunately, when you find your passion at 20, I don't think it'll be different. So in 10 years, I'll be 54. So I don't think my passion will change. So I'll probably still be trying to do the same darn stuff that I'm doing now. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And what if your kids don't like animals? Have you thought of that? <laughs> grounded. They'll be grounded. <laughs> I'm actually really lucky. You know, interestingly, to have this job, I've had, I feel like I have two um, inherent genetic things that are, I'm, I'm very quick. Meaning I react to things faster than most. People used to call it my fast feet because before something was biting at me, I was already running away from it. Uh, my daughter has the fastest reflexes. She is 1,000% fast enough to be getting out of the way of things. But my son has the spotting eyes. Like just today we were walking and we saw two woodpeckers and all the kids from school were like, what do you mean? We're downtown Toronto. There's no woodpeckers. And my son's like, oh. so my, my son can spot a moose from 1,000 yards oh. driving 100 kilometers down the road. Like he's got those eyes. Uh, and because my wife and I love adventure travel, like we we took the kids to Alaska already to see whales and bears and eagles, and you know, there's no there's there's no question that my son is the one that's like, look at that eagle. And I, I know I've, I'm gonna get, I know I'm gonna be late, but I don't care. Well, <laughs> uh, I gotta go pick up my son, so I do care a little bit. Yeah, you do. That's what we're talking about. One last story to, to give you a description of why I'm not nervous of that. We were on a whale watching thing. And there was a bunch of baby ducks, tiny little baby ducks. And they were all going down. So the the get the host was like, oh, look at the ducks. And they're telling <laughs> the And then I saw an eagle. And and, he, and and they're all looking at the ducks. And, and my son's like, Daddy, look at that eagle. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, Thomas, that, that eagle's probably going to drill one of those. <laughs> oh, ducks. my God. And, and he's like, really, Daddy? And, and uh, yeah, yeah. So just watch the eagle. So they're all talking species in Africa. And the whales weren't jumping. So the, the, the host was doing a bit of a dance to try to wait for the next set of whales. And this duck and that duck, right in front of everybody, oh. picks up this baby duck. And everyone's reaction is, ooh. And my son's like, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I knew he's a predator expert like his dad. You know, you, you, there, there are those that, that, that cheer for the prey and those that cheer for the predators. And I know it sounds awful, but my son loves the predators. <laughs> I'm sorry. Dude, what was that story years ago where they, I think it, was it a sea otter or something where they released, this was years ago, back in the day, where they like rehabilitated the sea otter and it was this huge media sensation. Then they released it back and <laughs> awful the media came sure enough a killer whale like a no yes this was years ago and it just took oh, it man. i know and it's i'm not trying to laugh oh. but it is like it's like what is 
That is that is nature for you, everybody. You might you might not like it, but it is, and it's spectacular. No one gets to see a whale kill. They all got to see it, so they should be happy. I know, but, but it was like this poor little. You know what I mean? Let's see Billy off to the ocean. His name wasn't Billy, but oh my god. <laughs> okay well on that happy note dave thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it. i'd love to meet up someday honestly yeah of course yeah if yeah. you're ever in toronto or wherever in la or new york together you know send yeah. me a note you got my contacts i do i have your cell number i'll put it on the show notes that's kind of please do no, i won't please no no do. i won't be <laughs> i won't tell you what i'll do but i'll be angry no i'm, I'm just you know, kidding i'll, I'll send do. a young grizzly bear to your house and i'll show you what it feels like to have a 12 second bite there you go awesome dave thank you All so right, much nice to meet you thanks so much i appreciate it Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.